Jesus invites you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen. These days, if you want to know how to do something or to try to figure out something, what's the first thing you do? Google, yes. Or for some of us in our homes, you just yell out Siri, right, and you ask your question. We go to the internet. That's where our source of information is for most of us these days. And on the internet, you can find how to manage your stress, how to deal with all the stress that you have in your life. And if you just type in Google how to manage stress, you're going to find all sorts of websites that will give you advice. But it's interesting because I look through a number of them, and, and many of them are very, very similar. And it doesn't matter if it's WebMD or it's a psychologist or, or whatever it might be, the lists are very, very similar. And you can probably guess what's on the top of most of those lists of how to manage your stress. There's exercising, eating well, getting enough sleep, right? managing your schedule well, having a hobby as an outlet, right? all of these things that you, you probably already knew. That's a beneficial way to try to manage the stress in your life. But, but, but maybe one surprising thing that shows up on a lot of these lists, not all of them, but on a lot of them, is prayer. And these are not Christian websites. These, this is WebMD. This is, this is secular psychologists have found in studies that prayer, praying to a higher power, can help manage and relieve the stress of your life. But this is not anything new. 500 years ago, a man named Martin Luther lived. And he is quoted with saying at one time that, you know, I have so much to do. I'm such a, so busy that I don't know how I would get everything done if I didn't spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. And now maybe you're thinking, well, Marty, you lived five centuries ago. You don't live in today's busy world like we do. Of course you had three hours to start your day with prayer. Well, Marty was a little busier than you and me. <laughs> this is a man who preached a sermon every single day, who was a pastor to other pastors, who translated the entire Bible into German, who wrote many writings, different commentaries on every book of the Bible, catechisms, all sorts of writings. Oh, and he was married and had a family of six and had hobbies too, like gardening. Martin Luther was a busy man. And that's the very reason why he knew that he had to get, in order to, to manage it all, to, to manage the stress of all of that busyness of this life, three hours in prayer in the morning was necessary. Now, now maybe you can poo-poo the secular psychologists and doctors. You don't really care about what you find on the internet. And maybe even Martin Luther would say, well, the, whatever, fine. But don't ignore God. Don't ignore what it says in his word. Because God encourages you and invites you, and, and I will be so bold as to say, he commands you to pray. Because he knows it's good for you. Because it's a way that you can find rest from the stress of this life. Now, in this series, this is the fourth and final week of this series, right? in the first three weeks, it was all a focus on 
being in the word of God is where we find rest. And that is absolutely true. Right in that first week, we saw that we find in his word, we have rest from all of our enemies. Sin, death, Satan. We, have, we are rescued. We have rest through Jesus Christ. Right, that, that second week, we saw that God gives us earthly shepherds that are here to bring us that rest through the word of God. And last week we saw that with, with Mary and Martha, we get to sit at the feet of Jesus and choose what is most important, the primary priority in our life to be in the word of God, right? That rest that we need. And then today, God gives us this added gift of prayer that we get to talk to him. And that's what prayer is. I'm not just going to jump into a sermon on prayer without actually stopping for a moment and talk about what is prayer it is the opportunity for us to speak to God. In his word, he comes and speaks to us. And the response is we get to speak to him. It's a conversation with God. We listen and then get to speak. He wants to hear from us. You know, for a Christian, this whole thing should be like just a, this is our life. This is who we are. This is what we do. Just as much as Breathing. And when you breathe in, you're breathing in oxygen that your body needs for life. And, and that's like taking the word of God into you and listening to the word of God. You need it. It is your life. But then, what do you do with that breath? You exhale. You put out that carbon dioxide. And that's our prayers. We exhale our prayers to God. And that is just our life. We listen to God. We speak to him. It's like breathing for a Christian. Because God knows it's good for us. Because he wants us to have rest from everything that would cause us stress in this life. And maybe you think, well, that sounds great. I'd like to have less stress. I'd like to be in God's word more. I'd like to pray more. But, but maybe you go back to that, that list of things to relieve stress. And maybe you're not good at a lot of those things. Like eating well, or exercising, or sleeping normally. And maybe your prayer life would be on that list too. That your prayer life is, is weak or maybe non-existent. Maybe, maybe you don't know how to pray or, or what to pray for. Right? You hear in, in, in the word that, that God invites you to and, and encourages you to and even commands you to, but it's like, where, how do we do this? And if that's the case, if that's where you are, then along with this disciple that comes to Jesus in our gospel lesson, let's say to Jesus this morning, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. We're in Luke chapter 11. So I'd encourage you to have it open because we're going to kind of walk through it. It's in, on pages 10 and 11 of your service folder. You open the Pew Bible or open your own Bible if you have it along. Luke chapter 11, it's the gospel lesson we read earlier. And, and if you have that, if you have a Bible open, before we actually get into the text here, it's interesting what comes right before this in Luke chapter 10. Right at the end of chapter 10, it's our sermon lesson from last week. Jesus in the home of Mary and Martha, where he teaches them and us to choose what's better, choose what's most important, sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. That's more important than absolutely everything, so you can go and do all of this stuff you got to do in life. And then, right after that, it's no accident. The Holy Spirit doesn't make accidents. We have this section on prayer. Breathing, right? Taking in the word of God and then speaking to God. 
And here, this disciple comes and says, Lord, teach us to pray, and Jesus happily obliges. In fact, in these 13 verses, there's hundreds of sermons. We've got one place where the Lord's Prayer is given to us, what we call the Lord's Prayer. There could be a sermon series just on that, a sermon on each petition. There's hundreds of sermons in here, which we don't have time for this morning, so we're going to do a survey of what's here in this section, of these 13 verses. And, And how it relates to this gift of prayer and how it is rest from the stress of this life. And Jesus teaches us three things about prayer in here. Three things. First, look at the the, the first section uh, where he teaches us the primary focus of what our prayer should be. This disciple comes to Jesus and says, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus says to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Do you notice in in that prayer that Jesus says, this is how you should pray? There's not a single part of that that says, Jesus, take away my stress. There's nothing in there that says, Jesus, fix this problem in my life. What's the focus? For the most part, it's the spiritual blessings. Jesus is teaching us that the primary focus of our prayers should be for spiritual blessings. Now, not that you can't ask for the things of this life, but first and foremost, primarily seek spiritual blessings. Because when you do, you're able to handle the stress of this life. You're able to endure the difficulties of this life. It's not a prayer to take them away, it's to help me in them. Kind of just walk through very briefly, again, this this Lord's Prayer, what's here in in Luke's account. He says, hallowed be your name. What, What Jesus is teaching us here is that God, we want God, we are praying that God would help us to keep his name holy in our life. Really, that's a command to keep the, uh, that's a prayer to help me keep the first commandment. May you be first, God, in everything I do and say in my life. Do you think that if you would do that, that you'd be able to manage the stress in your life better? You think you'd find rest from the stresses of your life when God is first in everything? Absolutely. When we are hallowing God and his name in our lives, you will find rest from your stress. The second petition that he gives us, your kingdom come. What this is, is this is a prayer for faith, right? The kingdom of God is wherever Christ is reigning and ruling by faith. And we are praying, increase my faith, strengthen my faith through your word and sacrament. Let your kingdom come to me. And if we are growing in our faith, if we are being strengthened in these truths of God, do you think you're going to find rest from everything that would cause you stress in this life? Absolutely. You're going to rest in the promises of the, uh, promises of the almighty, loving God. He then says, forgive us, or give us each day our daily bread. Here we have a petition uh, where we're praying to God for the things that we need for this life. But notice it's a, it's a prayer of trust. That God, I know that you will meet each need that I have for every single day. Do you think if you 
believe that and you pray that, that will bring rest for the stress in your life. That God is going to meet every single one of your needs. That everything comes from him and he will take care of you. Absolutely. He goes on and he says, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. This is a prayer that we are asking our Heavenly Father to forgive us for all of the sins that we commit against him in thought and word and deed, but then also that we are compelled to forgive as we have first been forgiven. Completely. Do you think if, if, if you know the forgiveness of God and you forgive others as you've been forgiven that you will find rest from the stress of this life? Absolutely. Because so much of the stress of this life, let's be honest, is, is caused because of what we do and the sins that we commit. And, and maybe this thought that, that, that God is angry at me and I've got to make up for all of these things and I've got to fix these things in my life, but it, instead to rest in the forgiveness of God that he doesn't hold your sins against you. Find rest there. And then you think you're going to find rest when you forgive others? Absolutely. Because so much of the stress in our lives comes in relationships. And if we forgive as we have first been get forgiven, how we can find rest from all of the stress that we have in this life. And then Jesus, here in Luke's account, ends with the lead us not into temptation. What we're praying here, what Jesus is teaching us to pray is, Heavenly Father, keep temptations from me, but when they do come, help me to overcome them. Help me to come out of them without sinning. And you think if God is helping you in temptation and we're looking to God to help us out of temptation, that you're going to find rest from the stress of this life? Absolutely. Because how much of the stress of this life in our Christian life isn't between the, the evil I don't want to do and the good I want to do? How much of that stress is between wanting to live for God, but yet also being lured by Satan and his temptations and the world around me? To find protection in the comfort of our Heavenly Father who says, I will take care of those temptations for you. Find rest from that stress. Friends, do you want less stress in your life? Then focus primarily on your spiritual needs first. That's what Jesus is teaching us in this prayer that he gives us. This prayer that we love, this prayer that we pray virtually every Sunday, that you probably pray throughout the week. Jesus is teaching you primarily seek those spiritual blessings and find rest. Then he goes on. He says, have that primary focus in your prayers, but then he teaches us to pray persistently. Listen again to what he says here. Then Jesus said to them, starting at verse 5, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus, in typical Jesus form, gives a parable to teach about prayer. And note, the point of this parable is not that we are bothering God. 
The point, as Jesus says, is your prayers will be answered because of your, as this translation says, your shameless audacity. And another translation is your bold persistence that you keep on asking. Now think about a child who's going to keep on asking their parent for something. It might take a little while. Right? But then the parent might finally say, okay, fine, let's do it. That's how our Heavenly Father is too. We're not bothering Him, but through bold persistence, through shameless audacity, what Jesus is teaching us is to not give up. Because God's timing is always going to be different than our timing, isn't it? God doesn't always answer our prayers at the time that we think He should, but He will answer. That's a promise. And when we continue persistently in prayers, we keep on knocking until he answers. That is a statement of faith, isn't it? That God, you will answer me. You promised me that you will. It's trusting that God in his timing will answer that prayer. Jesus says, knock and the door will be open to you. And that means keep on knocking. Get the answer. Pray persistently. It's yours. Jesus teaches us here, pray with that primary focus of spiritual blessings. Pray persistently. And then, he even talks to us about the answer. He tells us here in these last verses, you can pray, and here's another P, right? So we got primary focus, pray persistently, and pray positive that God knows what's best for us. This is how he ends. He says, so I say to you, or I'm sorry, which of you fathers, beginning at verse 11, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Parents know how to give good gifts to their children. Right? Any loving parent is going to do what is best for their child. And that might be saying no sometimes. That you can't have a bag of chocolate chips for dinner. <laughs> a loving parent wouldn't do that. A loving parent isn't going to give their child a poison when they really need a medicine. A loving parent, when they know that, that they are also to sit at the feet of Jesus, is going to bring them to church and have them hear the word of God and do devotions at home. A loving parent is going to do what's right for their child because they love them. How much more? How much more? Even though we're evil and we're sinful, how much more won't our perfect Heavenly Father do what's best for us and not give us anything that's going to harm us? And so when we pray, we can pray positive that God will always answer in the way that is best for us. And you know, sometimes our will is aligned with God's, and we pray and God says, yes, of course, done. But sometimes our will's not aligned with God's. Sometimes we think we know what's best. We think we know what we need, and we're praying persistently for that, but God says no, because I've got something better. I've got what's best. Even if you don't get to see it, even if you with your earthly eyes don't recognize it, the promise is there that God works all things, in all things, for our good, our eternal good, what is best for us. Because he knows 
He is almighty. He is all-powerful. And he's all-loving. And, and you know, there's those times in life, too, when, when we don't even know what to pray for. When we're in a situation in life, something that's stressing us out and bringing us strife and difficulty and, and, and struggle, and we don't even know what is good here, what we should pray for, and even know in those times that your heavenly Father knows what is best for you and will always even answer that prayer according to your needs, according to what is best for you. Pray positively that God knows what is best. Pray persistently and pray with that primary focus of spiritual blessings. Lord, teach us to pray. And remember who this is that we're asking us, asking to teach us. Did you notice right at the beginning of this lesson what Jesus is doing when this disciple comes to him? He's praying. And this is not a unique situation for Jesus. Many times throughout the Gospels, we hear about Jesus praying. Now, we're busy. Luther was a busy guy, but I don't think anybody's schedule compared to Jesus's. His mission was to save the world from its sins, but yet Jesus would agree with Luther. How could he get anything done if he didn't spend the first three hours or more in prayer with his heavenly Father? You see, not only does Jesus give us here in this section that Lord's Prayer, that really perfect prayer, but here we see Jesus is the perfect prayer. He prays perfectly for us. In his life, he completely submitted himself to the Father's will. He always knew that his heavenly Father knew what was best. He always went to him with his cares and his, his concerns and his anxieties and troubles. All the way to the cross. On that cross, we see Jesus praying, Father, forgive them. His last words are a prayer. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus praying perfectly for us, even on the cross, all the way to the end, and at the same time on that cross, dying. Dying for all of our sins. Dying for all of the times that we think we know better than God. For all the times that we have thought we are in control. For all the times that we have thought prayer does no good, it doesn't matter. For all the times we thought God's too busy and doesn't care about me, for all of those sins of doubt and disbelief and unbelief, Jesus died and then rose and he lives and he intercedes at the right hand of the Father that he is our mediator, as we heard in our second lesson. That he is the reason why we can approach God as our father. Why we don't have to be afraid of him. Why we can approach him like a child approaches their parent. Knowing that he loves us. Knowing that we are his. It's why we pray our prayers in Jesus' name. Because we have access to the father through him and only through him. That's who this Jesus is that teaches us to pray. Our savior our substitute, our intercessor. Lord, teach us to pray that you, and, and what that means is that we are trusting that you are in control, that you love us dearly, that you always will do what is best for us, 
and that in you alone can we find true and lasting rest. You know, I, I hope that the, the hymn that we've been using through this, this series that we've sung the last four Sundays, and this will be the last time today, uh, that, that hymn, Afflicted Saint to Christ Draw Near, I, I hope that that hymn has been the blessing to you that it has been to me. I mean, not only is it a beautiful melody, but those gospel words in there just almost bring you to tears on what God does for us because we are afflicted saints, aren't we? We are afflicted. Let's be honest. This life is full of affliction and struggles and stress and difficulties, but yet at the same time, we are saints. We can stand in the presence of the Father as holy and righteous because we are clothed in Jesus and his righteousness. We are afflicted saints, and we are invited to draw near to Christ in the word and sacrament. And then, in prayer, afflicted saint, to Christ draw near and find the rest that he longs to give you and that is yours through him alone. God grant you that. Amen. Please stand.